The podcast you are listening to is part of the Between the Lines Studios Network. To find more great podcasts, please visit www.betweenthelinestudios.com. And I'm Naomi. And we are here to talk about Season 1, Episode 3, Child Predator. Uh, But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about the ratings for this episode. They went down a little bit, but it's still pretty good. They had uh, 10.91 million viewers, and that coveted demo was 2.3. And it was beating out the other network television shows once again. So that sounds really good. Also... I ran across a really interesting article from Natalie Abrams from TV Guide. She said that she wants five characters to show up in elementary. Her number one pick was Irene Adler, which we've talked about. Yep. Uh, Then Moriarty, Mycroft, Sebastian Moran, and Inspector Lestrade, which I thought was, I don't know, for me it was like, yeah, those are the obvious people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Uh, though I kind of don't want Moriarty to show up right away. Well, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we should save this for later. But I almost wonder if we haven't seen him. Um, yeah. That scene where Sherlock confronts Adam in, in his bedroom mm-hmm. after they find the girl. Right. Just watching that scene, I was like, oh, this is it. This mm-hmm. is this is Moriarty. This is the beginning of it. Yeah. Uh, um, and I could be completely wrong, but there was just seeing the intelligence and the way that Adam had and the way that he was crafting it. I was like, oh, that is that is everything that Moriarty needs. Mm-hmm. And to, to, to think that that was the beginning of him and seeing that as the, the interaction, it, it could be that going to jail might... Um, might cure Adam of it, or it might just work to to hone that sort of evil intellect into something even sharper. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that would be a really interesting take on Moriarty if it is, because in the books he's more of a it's more of like a for somebody who facilitates crime. You know, he's like this spider. They is what Holmes calls him on a web, and he kind of has all these things going almost like a early mafia kind of idea where he's like the boss and other people do his bidding so it'd be interesting if he if adam is moriarty yeah i mean that was that's what he was working at was Mm -hmm. the idea of taking all of these crimes and pinning them on someone else being the one who orchestrated them so yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, and the fact that he's so much younger, I think, would be really interesting, too. I don't know. Um, I kind of want to see just some of the the characters that we find later on as clients. Like, I want to see um, Henry Baskerville and things like that. I want to see those kind of people. Uh, I kind of want to stay away. These are These are, like, the main characters everybody thinks about, which is really funny because... For most of them, they only appear in one or two of the stories. 
So for me, it's just like, let's not overplay Moriarty and all of this other stuff. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, 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 let's push that back because I want lots of seasons and I don't want to bring Moriarty to be like the big boss and then he's dead. Yep. And I mean, because everyone does know that the big characters, Moriarty and mm-hmm. the idea of having some of the smaller characters, you know, building up to that, it could be, you know, not, I guess I'm someone who likes to, to savor things. Right. I, I, I don't want the whole package all at once. Give right. me little bits at a time. Yeah. Uh, something else that I ran across that was really interesting is um, the LA Times has a lot of newspapers actually do this in blogs and, you know, like, here's what not to miss. And um, elementary was on the top of their what not to miss list for this week. So I thought that was really cool. Also, there's a podcast called I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere. And it's pretty, pretty well known in the Sherlock Holmes fandom. So if you like Sherlock Holmes in general, you should check it out. Uh, if you like Elementary, you should check out. They did an episode on Elementary, uh, and you can listen to it. I'll have the link in the show notes. It was. It's really interesting to see what diehard die fans think about Elementary. Uh, I also have a link in the show notes for the Guardian, which is a UK paper, uh, and it had all of my qualms about going into it laid out and then they were like but it was good like they had all these reservations about if elementary could be good and and then it ends with yes it's surprisingly good um and this paragraph at the end i thought was really good uh talking about um watson and holmes and together they solve the usual cop show cases very prime time slightly scooby-doo lots of scheming and mystic and identity but the plots are as twisty as in Arthur Conan Doyle's novels and Holmes' powers of deductions inevitably tested. Miller, released from the need to be cool, romantic, or particularly likable, is suddenly a thing he could never pull off before. A charming lead. I thought that was really interesting, especially about Miller. Like, his character doesn't have to be cool, doesn't have to be romantic, doesn't have to be anything but Holmes. And I think this is one of his best roles so far, as far as acting goes. Yes. But let's talk about the episode. I... I wanted to say this up front. I was very disappointed, like, three-fourths of the way through when I thought that it was just, you know, the standard fare, this is the bad guy, and he kidnapped these kids. And I was like, oh, where's the twist? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I thought it was almost over. We watched it afterwards. And uh, and then the twist came, and I was like, oh, okay, I feel better now. <laughs> I, I really loved Joan in this episode. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I'm coming at it from an, a unique perspective because of the fact she mentioned early on that she had only lived a, a few blocks away from where the first kidnapping has happened. And that thing, I mean, that's something that sticks with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was definitely sort of a very quiet passion for her, the idea of, of solving this case. Um, I... The, the community that I live in, um, back in 93, there was a girl who was kidnapped. Uh, I don't know if, if people remember the name of Sarah Ann Woods, but it was, I mean, it, it made national news. And for so many years, I mean, the, the larger community rallied around this and the fact that she wasn't found. And then when they finally did catch the man who killed her, I mean, it was, it, it was like the whole state sort of had this moment of grief and, and closure. Mm. So for Joan, I mean, this was, this was something that 
it happened right where I was. And she probably walked on those, that, that street. So the, the, the fact that, that she was going through watching her journey through this was, was really compelling for me. And I thought that, that, that Lucy Liu's performance of that was just absolutely brilliant. It was, yeah. I, I liked, I mean, again, she, she has this quiet acting style where you just feel volumes from her and, you know, just how quiet she got when she was talking about it and how she kept bringing it up. Like, I just remembered his last name. And, um, I thought that and, was brilliantly done. I mean, th- this was the first episode where she really was working the case, not just tolerating yeah, and, and following after, but she was, she was there. She wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, that definitely, the, the emotion came through on that. Yeah. And, and she managed to get him to exercise too. <laughs> so it was, you know, two that, birds with one stone eventually. I was laughing at that scene so much because I was just like, he's staring at her, he's staring at her, and then he doesn't. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was really cool because, yeah, she wanted him to exercise earlier. But now that she gave him a reason uh, and a valid result from that reason you know I was valedictorian you know then it was like okay I can do this <laughs> yeah um, I wanted to mention early on because we talked about it last episode but I'm, I'm very fixated on this idea that the, the quote from the original source material is kind of the structure of the episode and in this case there was two of them there was um, the idea that Holmes needs a companion to bounce ideas off of to listen mm-hmm. to him, uh, and that was that was from Man with a Twisted Lip and a couple other epi- a couple other stories, not episodes, um, where mm-hmm. Holmes tells him uh, tells Watson when one he says you know you have the invaluable gift of silence and that makes you invaluable as a as a companion, uh, and then there's another one where he tells Watson that some people are not um, they're not lights themselves, but they are illuminating other people's lights. And so I thought that was really interesting to bring that up here and then to go through the stages of, you know, shut up to, I need you. I thought it was really good. Shut up. No talk. It's like white noise. Mm-hmm. I, I loved that. <laughs> yeah. And then that, that carries us through the whole episode because, uh, you know, from your you're an inanimate object to you're an animate object to you're somebody I really need and value and and would like to have participate with me. I thought it was it was fascinating. It was a good story arc in within the episode. Yes. And then the other quote um, that was used is uh, when he's talking to Gregson and he says, "From a drop of water, a logician can infer the possibility of the Atlantic or Niagara." And that's from a study in Scarlet. So we're kind of pulling all of this source material from the very first novel, which I thought was really interesting, because uh, in the pilot and in the second episode, we had quotes from Studying Scarlet. Uh, and in the original source material, that is an article that was marked that Watson, when he first moves in with Holmes, and he doesn't quite know what Holmes does, um, he sees that this is marked in a newspaper, and he reads through it, and he says it's, trash like it's stupid it's an arrogant idea that you can deduce things um and he 
kind of rants at Holmes and says, you know, I, I wish I could have this guy put on a train and have him deduce what everybody's occupation is without talking to them. And I'd lay a thousand to one against him. And Holmes is like, well, <laughs> you'd lose your money. <laughs> <laughs> and tells him that he wrote the article. So that that's kind of how the whole what Holmes does for a living came out in the original stories. So that was really fun to see in the episode. Yeah, I I really like the fact that they're they're dropping hints of the, the original books instead of copying it out, you know, right. case for case. Um, there was the with, with the the newspapers. That was something that I, I I got excited about when they're discussing the fact that that the kidnapper must have changed jobs mm -hmm. and, and his new job is delivering the paper because he's looking at these different photographs and he can see the, the color of the, of the newspaper stock. Mm -hmm. And this is the only journal that uses that, that color newspaper stock. I, I was like, yes, there we go. See, we, we've managed to find a way to, to keep those odd trivial bits of information relevant in today's society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was there. I do love, and this is again where I'm going to talk about this just because people grade against the procedural aspect of the show. But I do love that we're, we're bringing it beyond that. We're we're bringing in logic and deduction, and um, you know the fact that he had looked over all the files all night. He he was able to get that information. Again, it goes to that whole. You could be Sherlock Holmes if you applied yourself. <laughs> yeah, that was good. I and the title. I want. I want to talk about this because we talked about it before how the writers are so clever. The title was so so clever because you think it's child predator. You know, somebody who someone who is preying on children. Child, yeah, but instead it's a child who is a predator. And I thought, oh my gosh, that works in so many levels. It's so great. Yep. I also was. You know uh, the. I noticed I was happy with myself because, you know, the whole I want to solve it before. I was happy with myself because I noticed that there was extra lemon press things. <laughs> I was like, why? Why are there two in that drawer? I just <laughs> thought it was a, a mistake, you know. Like, we had just, we just you know, the, the prop people just put a bunch of stuff in the drawer. <laughs> but then when he said, oh, you know... <laughs> You have two of everything. At, at that point, I was, I was too busy trying to figure, trying to remember where I'd seen the father, mm. what other shows I'd seen him in. Because I'm, I'm seeing him like, I know I've seen him in something. I know I've seen it. And I didn't want to stop the episode to, to go check the internet. Mm. Did, <laughs> but, you, did you ever figure it out? I, I didn't. I, it, he went away from the main action, and I probably <laughs> forgot about him. Right. So. <laughs> you don't need him anymore. Nope. Um... I thought it was really interesting the just the action in that scene because again this show could really push itself into too much exposition and the fact that they wouldn't stop the videotaping and he had to spray paint the camera <laughs> I thought that was a good way to like keep everything moving and keep everybody annoyed with them yes. so rather than like no you can't do that uh, and everybody going why <laughs> We had that, that bit of action. Oh, we are 10 seconds from broadcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. Um, I, again, I'm really enjoying the relationship between Holmes and Watson. Uh, like you said, the 
the um, squat thing was hilarious. And yes. the coffee thing, again, was really funny because she comes and he's uh, got his eyes closed. And so she puts them both beside her. And even when she knows he's not sleeping, she doesn't hand him the coffee until he's nice. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm reminded of, of an episode of The Big Bang Theory where Sheldon is trying to modify his Penny's behavior. Yes. And so when she does things good, he gives her chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you, you get coffee when you're nice to me. Right. I will hand it to you rather than and, make and you la- get it. <laughs> and later on, when when he is getting ready to sift through all the stuff, and she's like, okay, well, then I can help you stay awake. He's like, good, you know where the coffee is. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to do exercising. <laughs> yes. Or later when she's going to make him tea to help him sleep. I thought that was good, too. Of course, the whole turning around and he's already asleep was hilarious. <laughs> yep. It was a really fun episode. I I think the the idea of the balloons for the predator was amazing. I thought that was a really nice touch um, mm-hmm. to leave balloons where you picked up your victims. I really loved the the visual of the clue about the window being broken uh, and the fact that you know it just it go and sp- spoke to how intelligent this kid was. He has a nice bedroom and his kidnapper has a horrible one. It, it took me. I didn't. I didn't quite get it mm. when they first did that. So I was like, "Wait, what?" He's taking pictures of the hair. I don't. I don't understand. Yeah, I got it pretty immediately. But I was like, "That no, <laughs> what? No." Because up until then, you sympathize with the kid. You know, he's, he's got Stockholm syndrome, or you know, something like that. And mm-hmm. no, <laughs> he's just evil. So then all of a sudden, I mean, after that, that conversation, that the first confrontation between, um, Sher- between Sherlock and Adam, all of a sudden where he said, you know, it's, it's not hard to manipulate someone with an IQ of below 90. And that's when it, it just, everything flipped. Mm. And all of a sudden, like I said, that it was that moment where I was thinking, Oh, this he could become Moriarty, mm-hmm. and you also. I also felt this huge, almost, you know, almost pity for for Abbott because of the fact that he had been manipulated so much by this boy, and I mean, yes, there, there was the initial kidnapping, mm-hmm. but at that point, I mean, the, the idea that if if they had found him, found Adam right away after that, what would have, what would Abbott's mental state played in any prosecution that might have happened to him? Right. So that, I mean, it, it you know, turned it into this wonderfully sort of gray moral area for me. And I was like, oh, well, that's just, that's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you sit there like, wait. He's a kidnapper, but he's been manipulated and this and, and oh my goodness. And mistreated and yeah. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I mean, I don't know if something like that would ever happen in real life, but just the idea that, you know, turn tables on your kidnapper and make him, mm-hmm. and you're, e- you're more evil than the, the guy that kidnapped you as a little boy is just amazing. Yeah. 
I mean, that that's almost, um, oh, the idea of, um, yeah, what book am I thinking of? Oh, um, Mice and Men, mm. where, with the character of, of Lenny, who is just very sweet, very simple. And so maybe, what was it, something like that? And this kid has just completely wrecked him. I mean, what, what was going on in this guy's head that, that allowed him to be twisted to the point where the idea of letting Adam down, he just had to kill himself. I mean, that just, oh, that, that, that got me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it brought it, it brought it so much up from your normal mystery, you know, case of the week to something even deeper and darker and um, multi-leveled. <laughs> Especially just how cool and calm Adam was at both times that Sherlock was talking to him, I thought. It was just like, wow. Yeah, that's... I mean, that, that more than anything was, was what got my wheels spinning. Mm-hmm. So it was just... Mm. Yeah, it'd be fascinating. I, even if he's not Moriarty, I'm, I have the feeling he'll come back. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how he changes like does he keep on doing the balloon thing does he adopt something else now um going into the idea of like super analyzing the tv show and trying to figure out if the writers will be leaving us clues in anything um for the greater story arc i was i had two thoughts towards that end and one was the very first conversation that Sherlock had with Adam. Um, and and he, he told the story of going to boarding school and being bullied. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out and Joan asks him if it's true. And he says, I went to boarding school. I just, I, I sat there trying to figure out, okay, who is he actually lying to? Mm-hmm. Was he lying to Adam or was he lying to Joan? So that was... And then later on where he said, you know, I would trade my father for a Tic Tac. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so here are these these little clues. And what what is that going to to play out later on in in, in the series? Right. Because we already know he has kind of a weird relationship with his dad. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if even if the the bully part of it wasn't true, just the resentment he has about being shipped off to boarding school is probably very true. Mm-hmm. And probably made him who he is today. <laughs> I did like the line about I was I was a no, a bit a little bit of a know it all. I was a giant know it all. <laughs> yep. And it was also when he was trying to convince Gregson to to let him talk to Adam. The fact that well, this is. A delicate situation. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I know I can be indelicate. Right. But <laughs> like, okay, yes, you, you know your character flaws. Yeah. Which is really interesting because that pulls it away from um, this is like some kind of autism or Asperger's or something like that to, yeah, I know. I know who I am. Like, I'm just this way. <laughs> <laughs> and this way because I'm smarter than everybody else. Yep. Yes, I could go through and I can smile and make the pleasant trees, but most people are just too stupid to even deserve that. Right. <laughs> exactly. Because th- everyone has those days where you just look at someone and you're like, how, 
oh no no today is not a day where I'm going to suffer fools mm-hmm. right right uh, I also wanted to talk about the fact that Holmes has a police scanner I thought was a good little touch and all of those files uh, in his house which is something that the original character had he had tons of files on everyone uh, any any crime that he came across any criminal that he came across uh, he had it all indexed so he could search for it so I thought that was a nice touch too yes and, and this I mean he said that this case came to his attention while he was still in England mm-hmm. so this is you know, th- this is what he does he goes through and, and is reading just cases all over the world mm-hmm. and I, I really liked that so it's not just he's not um, insular he's not just focused on whatever the puzzle is coming to him right. but he was really motivated by crime and that, that was another thing that stood out to me was the fact of how passionate he was about saving the girl mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't just oh here is this serial kidnapper who was struck again maybe I could be the one to defeat him it was there is a girl who's been kidnapped and I could save her and that was really something that stood out to me yeah it's more than just the puzzle but it was a really good episode I really enjoyed it I again I I had that moment where I'm like oh that was it (laughs) where's the the clever twist and then I was like oh there it is I feel better um and I'm really intrigued. I saw the, I won't spoil it for anybody, but I saw the next time, and I'm really intrigued with that one. I can't wait to see what happens in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's about all I had to talk about for this episode. Well, the, the only other thing, and this is a little bit of me trying to bring clues out of the writers, and I think more parts of you know my infatuation with Johnny Lee Miller, but in the very beginning where he's sitting there with his with the files all around him shirtless, I, I know that Johnny has a ton of tattoos. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to figure out if any of of the ones that they have have been put on by the prop department. Mm-hmm. Um, most specifically on his back he has two five two. And I I wanna find out if that is actually one of Johnny's tattoos or if that's something that that the writers decided that is Holmes. And if so, what does that mean? Right. Um, but, but that's just me, and that's my little side project. So. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. Whenever he has his shirt off is really interesting because visually you're just drawn to it. And every once in a while I'm just looking at him and I'm like, oh, wait, there's something going on in the episode. <laughs> and that's true of any TV show where I watch where there's like tattoos on somebody. I'm just like... Oh hey, they have a tattoo on their inner wrist. What is that? What is that? <laughs> I'm like, oh wait. Well, I've yeah, I, I've been fans of NCIS and of Battlestar Galactica, and in both of those, they have characters whose tattoos are very important to the characters. Mm-hmm. In NCIS, you have Abby, who is this very brilliant scientist who is also a goth, and she has tattoos all over the place. Which, if you've ever seen the actress in real life, she does not have those. Mm-hmm. So they have to go through and make up and put on that spider web tattoo on her neck. 
they have to read through of the script to see if her, any part of her back is going to be exposed because she has this very large, ornate cross that is across her whole back. In Star Galactica, the, uh, Katie Sackoff, who played Starbuck, had tattoos that in the beginning of the series, the makeup department had to work to cover up because they didn't fit with the character. So that's, a, like I said, that's going back and looking. I know that, that Johnny has tattoos. So is it, which one of these are his? Which ones did did they decide that, yes, we can keep these, these are part of, of the character? Are there any that, that needed to be covered up that, you know, they, they felt weren't appropriate for that? Yeah. Well, I was looking, while you were talking, I was looking. Um, there's so a- it's, it's interesting. <laughs> There's a fan website that has um, some of his tattoos. He has, they have the the Chinese character and the handcuffs on this, and like a dragon and a rat and some writing. But I don't see the two five two on here. And there's a snake on one of his forearms. A lot of them are what what can you can you see? And I, I know that unfortunately he doesn't walk around in public with his shirt off a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So, which he should. Johnny Lee Miller, if you're listening, please walk around in public with your shirt off. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's it from us. Yeah, I I have nothing else. <laughs> so we'll be back next time with episode four. Yay! Bye, everybody. Bye. Ah. Yay, me.